Well, that Delphi hearing didn't quite go as expected. Some people are trying to charge Rex Heuerman with being involved with two other women, but color me suspicious. Tupac suspects needs to decide on a lawyer. He may hire someone I know. The audio of uh, Jordan Vandersloot confessing when a defendant does not return for the jury's verdict, well, it clearly showed things didn't go well for him. And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day. Well, let's talk about it. Good day, everyone. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. Thanks for joining us. Before we get to the docket today for October 19th of 2023, let's have a word about our sponsor for today. So for all of you that know, I you know have been drinking that drink that maybe gives you wings, but they could also say it gives you kind of the jitters. So I've been trying to cut back on those energy drinks because, well, like I said, they're making me feel like it's a little difficult to fall asleep. And if you've been a fan of the show for a while, you know I also don't drink coffee. So I've been trying these magic little bottles of Magic Mind. So if you're like me and you don't like the crashes and jitters that come from coffee or energy drinks, then you have to try out one of my new favorite caffeine hacks, Magic Mind. I love that they are small and easy to transport. I usually drink them on the way to work in the morning. And by the time I'm at my desk, I am ready to take on whatever craziness is going to be thrown at me for the day. And we all know there's craziness. So I'm looking into stocking the fridge here with Magic Mind for the whole team so they can all feel the benefits. And here's the exciting part. They have given me a fantastic discount code. All you have to do is go to magicmind.co forward slash crime talk and use the code crime talk CT40 for 40% off your first subscription. Or if you're not into subscriptions, you can get 20% off your first purchase. But wait, let me break it down for you. With the subscription, you're getting a total of 40% off, which comes to around $3 per bottle. That is a steal. Now, I'll leave the link in the show notes. And the best part is that they have a money back guarantee because, you know, it's always about the money. But we're not going to promote something that we don't use and they're not going to stand behind. So don't wait. Head over to www.magicmind.co forward slash crime talk and use the code CT40 for Crime Talk 40 to supercharge your day with Magic Mind. Don't forget, discount code CT40. All right, let's go ahead and get to the docket and let's open the record. The first case on the docket, the Delphi murder case. Well, that didn't quite go as expected today, did it? No, it didn't. Take a look at this video. Judge comes out. Judge says, up, oh, Mr. Allen won't be joining us. He's going back to the Department of Corrections. Why? Because he has no attorneys. All right, we are on the record in State of Indiana versus Richard Allen, 08-C01-2210-MR1. Thank you for your patience, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Mr. McClellan, Mr. Luttrell, for your patience. Um, we've had an unexpected turn of events, ladies and gentlemen. Um, earlier this afternoon, the defense attorneys have withdrawn their representation of Mr. Allen. Mr. Baldwin made an oral motion to withdraw. I granted that oral motion to withdraw, and Mr. Rosie will be submitting a written motion to withdraw, I'm assuming, within the next couple of days. Um, they have confirmed with the court that Mr. Allen's uh, financial situation remains static, meaning he is 
continuing to be entitled to appointed counsel. I will reach out to public defenders to make that appointment. Um, as Mr. Allen is now without counsel, I've ordered him transported back to the Department of Correction. Mr. McClellan, I know that we have already scheduled a hearing in the Carroll Circuit Court October 31st at 9 a.m. I'd like to maintain that hearing if we can, please. Um, I think at that point um, we can have counsel appointed. Um, I'd like to set a new trial date, obviously. I don't believe counsel will be prepared within the next couple of months to try a case of this magnitude in January. Um, so we'll set dates for the trial. I think we need to set a date as well for the suppression hearing that was filed now by former counsel. Um, I have asked the attorneys um, to provide all of the discovery previously provided to back to the state of Indiana. I know I entered a protective order on the discovery and honestly I don't remember when that was. I think it was in April of this year perhaps, maybe sooner. But the attorneys have been ordered to provide all of that discovery back to the state and if you would maintain that until such time as it can be turned over to successor counsel, I would appreciate that, Mr. McClellan. Um, I've also asked the defense attorneys to um, cooperate with successor counsel. They're not required to do that, but I think that they will in the best interests of um, Mr. Allen. They're not required to provide any of their work product. Um, but they will be required and have indicated that they will cooperate with successor counsel. So obviously without counsel, Mr. Allen's hearing cannot proceed. I apologize that I know many of you have been waiting for several hours. I know Mr. McClellan, you and your staff, and you had some witnesses here um, that came earlier to have the hearing, but clearly this is outside of our control. So is there anything, Mr. McClellan, that you'd like to state for the record? No, Your Honor, I think we can address the other issues at the October 31st court date. All right. With that being said, then, we are in recess. Thank you. I'll see you in October. That's right. Richard Allen is now without legal representation. So this long-awaited, long-anticipated hearing lasted a total of about three minutes as Judge Francis Gull announced that lead attorney Andrew Baldwin had withdrawn his representation as Allen's attorney. Bradley Rossi is also expected to... Uh, file a similar motion, but the oral motion made by him was granted as well today. So for those who don't know yet, Allen, Richard Allen is accused of killing Abigail Williams and Liberty German back in February of 2017, and he has maintained his innocence, and now he needs a new attorney. So the court-appointed counsel, Andrew Baldwin and Bradley Rossi, were tasked with defending Allen against these charges that go back to 2017. As you can see and hear, Judge Gull told the court and the prosecutor that uh, she would reach out to see about getting new counsel for Mr. Allen because he doesn't have one anymore. His defense team is gone and he's going back to the DOC. So Judge Gall said the withdrawal of his attorneys uh, means his murder trial is, well, going to get pushed back, not going to go in January of 2024. And uh, there's apparently two attorneys that are required in Indiana when it relates to a double homicide case. So they need to get actually two attorneys. And the old attorneys said that they'll cooperate with the new attorneys to get them up to speed. So without counsel, Allen's hearing cannot proceed, obviously. And so she stated that the situation was outside of her control and she apologized to everybody that had shown up for the hearing. Now, what happened? Well, like I said, the defense team from Richard Allen has represented him since November of 22. 
And there was another attorney that submitted a filing on behalf of the attorney, at least one of them. Uh, but he wasn't entering for Mr. Allen. He was there to represent the attorney, David, or David Hennessy was there to represent the attorneys for Mr. Allen. Apparently was taking place was the judge was not happy. There was going to be a hearing as it related to documents that were in the possession of Allen's attorneys that were reportedly leaked uh, at the hands of staff members in his office. So the new attorney, Mr. Hennessy, confirmed he's not joining Allen's case, but there to represent Mr. Baldwin. Now, it's unclear whether Rossi has representation as well, but the filing comes, like I said, two days after the Indiana State Police investigated a leak of sensitive evidence and documents related to the case that allegedly became public at the hands of the employee on Baldwin's team. Now, Hennessy called the leak of the documents a horrible tragedy created by persons not related to the defense of Mr. Allen. Mr. Hennessy further argued that Mr. Baldwin should be able to continue acting as his counsel for Mr. Allen throughout the double murder trial. Now, Mr. Allen has developed a apparently strong bond with Mr. Baldwin, and disqualification of either of his appointed attorneys would greatly prejudice his right to counsel in a timely trial. Now, Hennessy argued that if the court believed that some sanction was appropriate, that, hey, make him uh, work for about 24 hours without any compensation. So, well, that didn't happen because now the attorneys are gone. So understand, sometimes mistakes happen, but there was a protective order in this particular case. Judge says you can't release these documents. You, as the attorney, when you get the discovery, you have to assure that these documents stay within your care, control, and possession. And if they get released to somebody, guess what? Who's going to be held responsible? The defense attorney. It could be a slew of sanctions to a verbal reprimand by the court, or it could mean a potential uh, bar grievance. And I think that may be the circumstances here. Now, I don't know if it's the prosecution or the judge that basically said, we're going to file a grievance. And I, and I have no evidence that that's what's taking place. This is just based upon experience here, that that would be the reason why the defense attorney would have to withdraw. Because at that point, then he has to defend himself. And then it goes to the extent of, well, now he has a conflict with the with the client that he's represented. And so there's an issue there. Everyone's been really hush. What was the basis for the motion to withdraw? Being reprimanded by a judge, not a big deal. I'm sure Mr. Allen wants his attorneys back. Apparently the attorneys decided there was a, such a conflict. So the question is, is there going to be some sort of criminal charge for the release of these documents? Or at a minimum, is there going to be some ethics bar complaint against one or both of the attorneys. Apparently, it was an attorney or somebody working or sharing, leasing an office space in the office of the attorneys that somehow got access to these documents and released them to people that they should not have. Well, guess who's responsible for that? The attorneys under the protective order. A protective order is a big deal. So hopefully we'll get a little more information in the days to come. But that is my best estimate of what is taking place. The attorneys for Richard Allen were very invested in that case. And for them to get off, there has to be a true ethical conflict. Next on the docket, Rex Huerman, the alleged Gilgo murderer. Well, um, witnesses, two of whom have provided some sworn affidavits, are trying to say that the Long Island serial killer suspect, Rex Huerman, uh, committed the murders of Karen Vergata and Shannon Gilbert. Now, this is where it gets a little weird. So the attorney, John Ray, represents the estate of Gilbert, 
whose disappearance in 2010 ultimately led to the discovery of the Gilgo Four and other remains on Long Island. He also held a news conference on Wednesday at the Suffolk County Police Commissioner's uh, Office, Rodney Harrison, to announce the findings, which also included an allegation that Hewerman and his wife were involved in a swinging incident that included Vergata. Swinging doesn't mean they're going out to the park and swinging on the swings, ladies and gentlemen. It means engaging in multiple partners. You get the picture. Mr. Harrison's participation in the news conference appeared to have caught uh, the Suffolk County District Attorney, Ray Tierney, a little bit by surprise. And he uh, stated, without providing any advance notice to the prosecutors pursuing uh, this case on the Gilgo Beach Homicide Task Force members investigating these murders uh, day in and day out, we watched today's press conference not exactly knowing what was going to be reported. Mr. Tierney stated, we will continue to investigate this case through the grand jury process and not through press conferences. So the district attorney said that anyone with information about any of these investigations should bring it directly to the police, to his office, or to the FBI. And any attorney representing victims or their families, by definition, has a conflict of interest and should not be part of the investigation, Mr. Tierney uh, expressed his opinion about. Now, we have information that said Harrison, who said he uh, sat in on the interview of one of the witnesses on Wednesday. We're working on it, and we'll see where the leads go down. So Mr. Ray represents the family of Jessica Ray, who was the first victim of the Gilgo Beach to be identified, and Gilbert, who police believe died accidentally. So then we have the case of Karen Vergata. Now, Vergata's remains were found on Fire Island in 1996, but were not identified until later in August. One of the witnesses who identified herself in a sworn statement is as a 54-year-old woman and said that she and her now former boyfriend were swingers and said that she believed she and the boyfriend answered an ad for swinging at the Hurman's Massapequoc uh, Park home in 1996 and picked up Vergata, a 34-year-old sex worker, and brought her with them. She states, I saw Rex on TV recently and a picture of Karen Vergata the woman's August 31st affidavit reads, and that uh, she recognized her as the woman who my former boyfriend that they brought to the human residence. Uh, I was shocked and deeply sorrowful for what having left behind at human's house. I told John Ray of these things because I need to speak with him so that Karen would not be left behind again. The woman said that uh, she and her boyfriend, get this, a New York narcotics detective went to the now closed down Swingers Club in Manhattan and saw an ad on a bulletin board for swingers to come to the home in Long Island. The uh, couple decided to drive there and picked up a sex worker she believes was Vergata on the way. I remember, her boyfriend is a cop. Uh, apparently she was hungry and homeless and nervous at first until she learned that the boyfriend was a police officer. The affidavit uh, states, and the witness said that they were greeted by a husband and wife that she believed to be Hurman and his wife, and that she and the boyfriend had sex with Hurman, but the wife declined. And as they were leaving, the woman said she saw Vergata run out of the house naked. She said that she felt uneasy, and she left the woman there. And apparently so did her police officer boyfriend. Huh. Anyway, the uh, woman states in the affidavit that she is certain that the girl was Shannon Gilbert, the uh, cabbie said in her affidavit, I recognize her usual eye droop and usual voice. Rex Hurman appeared to be a very big man coming from a hotel room as well uh, in the affidavit as well. Now, Hurman was arrested this summer and uh, charged with the murders of Megan Waterman, Melissa 
Bartholomew, and Amber Lynn Costello, who remains were found near the Gilgal Beach in 2010, all close by one another and wrapped in a burlap pipe bag. He's the prime suspect in the murder of the four members of the Gilgo Four. Now, Harrison has repeatedly said that investigators are close to charging Hureman with the fourth death, but so far that has not happened. And listen, these people saying, oh, I was a taxi driver and uh, I remember this fair from, you know, 14 years ago, or I went swinging with these people 14 years ago, never said anything, that's not going to be enough to get somebody charged. They're going to want physical evidence to back that up. Any defense attorney would be able to tear that apart on cross-examination. I get they feel concerned. Maybe they even feel guilty that they didn't do something and now these people are dead. But the reality of it is, I know it sounds shallow, but the reality of it is not enough to bring the case forward. If it were, well, they would have done it by now. Next, the Tupac murder suspect. So the arraignment for the man accused of killing Tupac Shakur was delayed yet again, a second time as of today, as he's not yet found an attorney to represent him. You know, murder cases are expensive. Now, Dwayne Keith D. Davis, I know a guy that just happened to win one recently. Give me a call. Just saying. Anyway, so like I said, Dwayne Davis was charged last month in connection with the 1996 drive-by killing of rapper Tupac Shakur. Now, close to 30 years after the death of the rapper, Davis was indicted by the Clark County Grand Jury on one count of murder with the use of a deadly weapon as well as a gang enhancement. Now, the, the man stood at, uh, as the judge began and ended his hearing uh, in just seconds after the attorney that he may be hiring, a guy by the name of Ross Goodman, uh, maybe represented him and said he could not confirm that he would remain his attorney and that he would need uh, two more weeks to figure that out. Let me tell you what that means, ladies and gentlemen. That means uh, I'm going to give him two weeks to come up with the money or we're not doing this. That's what it means. So the judge said that uh, if Mr. Goodman and Mr. Davis were not prepared by November 2nd, that uh, she will appoint a public defender. That's right. Mr. Green has to show up. Once Mr. Green arrives, suddenly everything gets a lot clearer. So in two weeks, they said they're going to move this case along. Mr. Goodman, who I maybe know, is a well-known Las Vegas criminal defense attorney. His mom just happens to be the current mayor of Las Vegas. And his father, Oscar Goodman, is the former city mayor. But Oscar Goodman was also a attorney to the mob. Look it up. I guarantee it. He went out there early days of Las Vegas, even had some movie parts because of his involvement in various cases over the years. Anyway, so Mr. Davis's arraignment was postponed because he told the judge that his attorney, who was not within court with him today, needed a two-week continuance for the money. There you go. Now you may say, hey, Scott, that's right. Yeah, you know old Ross Goodman, do you? Well, let me show you proof because people are always so skeptical. And like I said, you got to back stuff up. So let me show you this picture. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you this picture. I'll give it to Frank and Mo and they can scan it. So let me show you this picture. This is our graduating class for Naval Justice School in uh, Rhode Island, 1996, I do believe. Now here we had a special speaker. This person was Justice Scalia. He's since passed, but he was on the Supreme Court. Um, just to the left of him and one row up, that is Mr. Ross Goodman. And then you go all the way over 
one, two people, and up another row. And there is a much thinner Lieutenant uh, Scott Reich right there. So just saying, Ross is a good guy. We keep in touch occasionally. Um, I'm going out to Vegas for the Formula One. Maybe he can say hi. I'd love to get him on the show, talk about how Shakur died back in uh, 1996 and whether he's going to be defending the case. Wouldn't that be interesting? Couldn't reveal any attorney-client privilege information, but yeah, that would be, that would be good. We'll see if the money shows up. Next on the docket, ah, the confessions of a murderer. Jordan Vandersloot. You want to hear how he nonchalantly confesses to uh, killing Natalie Holloway? Well, you can because we're going to play it for you because it only takes a couple of minutes. Um, but I'll give you the rundown in case you don't want to listen to it. You want to fast forward to it. Maybe some people don't want to hear that. But he stated as part of his plea deal that uh, he met Natalie Holloway back in 2005 after they were at a bar together in Aruba. And that's where he stated that he was trying to uh, make some advances on Miss Holloway. And ultimately, things didn't go his way. She resisted. She put a knee in his crotch. He became upset and then smashed her head with a cinder block. Well, the court has released the three minute and 45 second clip where the killer calmly admits to the heinous crime. Asked to go back to her hotel, but I was just trying to get dropped off a little bit uh, further away from her hotel so we could uh, walk back to her hotel and I might still get a chance to, to be with her. Okay. That's so what I was hoping for. Okay. So what happens? Um, yeah, Deepak drops me off at a, at a place uh, a little right of the of the Marriott Hotel known as the Fisherman's Huts. Um, this place uh, is not so far from, you know, the next hotel is the Marriott and the next hotel after that is, is another Marriott, uh, which is a timeshare, and then it's the, the Holiday Inn. Um, well, we, we walk along the beach. Uh, right. um, do... Deepak and Satish get out, come with you. Uh, what, what happens uh, to them? Deepak and Satish leave. Uh, they, uh, they leave. Uh, they go back to their home. I assume they go back to their home. Um, they get in their car and they leave. I'm actually with, uh, I'm actually with, uh, with Natalie walking along the beach. Uh, I find a space uh, before we get to the, before we get to the Marriott Hotel where I lay her down, we lay down together in the sand and uh, we start kissing each other I start, I get her to kiss me again, we start kissing each other and uh, I start feeling her up again and she tells me no she tells me she doesn't want me to, to feel her up uh, I insist, I keep feeling her up either way um, and uh, she knees me, uh, she ends up kneeing me in the crotch uh, when she needs me in the crotch, uh, I get up uh, on the beach and I kick extremely hard in, in the face. Yeah, she's laying down uh, unconscious, possibly even uh, even dead, but definitely unconscious. And uh, I see uh, right next to her, there's a, there's a huge uh, cinder block laying on the beach. When you say cinder block... Uh looking at the walls of this uh, place, is it like those? The exact same cinder blocks. I see a huge cinder block laying on the on the beach. Uh, I take this and uh, 
yeah, I, I, I smashed her head in with it completely. Yeah, her face basically, you know, uh, collapses in. Even though it's dark, I can see her face is collapsed in. Uh, afterwards, I don't exactly know uh, what, uh, you know, I'm, I'm scared. I don't know what to do. Uh, and I, um <coughs> I decide to, to take her and uh, put her into the ocean. So I grab her and I, I half, uh, half pull and half walk with her into the ocean. Um, I, uh, I push her off. Uh, I walk up, uh, up to about my knees into the ocean, and I push her off into, into the, into the, into the sea. Um, and uh, yeah, after that, I, I get out. I, I walk home. Now he got 20 years concurrent with his 28-year sentence back in Peru, where he will be heading and his sentences run concurrent. So he really gets a free pass um, for the death of Miss Holloway. I get it. There's closure, but I'm not really sure it's justice in this particular case. The statute of limitations had run in Aruba, but... I still think there could have been other uh, ways to prosecute the young man uh, by killing of an American on foreign soil. But anyway, like I said, he's already serving 28 years in Peru. He's going to get 20 years concurrent as of this date. So, oh, yeah, and he's serving that 28 years for the murder of a woman by the name of Stephanie Flores. What a guy. And, of course, this guy, real loser, kills women in prison, and yet he's, he's in a relationship. Wow. You got to love you got to love the world, ladies and gentlemen. Next on the docket, when you don't show up for the verdict, you know things aren't going well. So please meet uh, Gregory Allen Showalter. He was free on bond, and guess what he decided to do? He skipped the reading of his guilty murder verdict in the strangulation of his wife. Now, obviously, he insisted at trial that he hadn't killed her, but he was uh, found guilty and charged with first-degree murder on the charges of first-degree murder, abuse of a corpse, and willful injury causing serious injury and domestic abuse, assault by strangulation, or impeding blood circulation, a.k.a. strangled her. Well, guess what? Like I said, he was out on bond since uh, August of 2021, but like I stated, he failed to appear for the verdict reading. He, in fact, cut his GPS-equipped ankle monitor and he shut off his cell phone. Well, it didn't take long to find him because the police went to his home the next day where they were watching the house and they saw a person knock uh, before entering. Well, they found him curled up uh, in a camouflage outfit, a, a bottle of whiskey hiding behind a chair. Nothing says consciousness of guilt like I'm not sticking around for the verdict because I don't think it's gonna be a not guilty, just saying. And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day. You know, have you ever noticed that sometimes it seems like we talk about dumb criminals, but we only got one dumb criminal of the day? Couldn't a lot of them all be dumb criminals? So please meet Terry Jeffcoat. He thought uh, he was going to be uh, making a good day in life, and he decided to target a home for burglary. But as his bad luck would have it, he forgot one tiny detail that would come back to bite him, if you know what I mean. 
So the homeowners were casually moving stuff into their new residence. Uh, little did she know uh, that she was going about her day that that day was going to take a big detour. As she was pulling into her driveway, she couldn't help but notice that something seemed uh, a little wrong, not normal. The garage door, usually a sentinel of security, was standing wide open. Needless to say, the panic mode was activated. She dialed up a friend for backup. Together, they went around the corner of the house only to lock eyes with none other than, that's right, Terry Jeffcoat, sauntering towards the back door like he owned the place. Fueled by fear and maybe a little bit of anger, one of the women took matters into her own hands, grabbing a gun and confronting uh, Terry. She wanted answers, and she wanted them now. Well, Mr. Terry, however, had no satisfactory responses to the offer, and in a desperate bid for freedom, he bolted towards a nearby canal, hoping to escape. Well, once inside, the ladies did an inventory of the losses, found that a suitcase and a lot of items of jewelry had, in fact, been stolen. But one item stood out that seemed uh, like it shouldn't have been there. That's right. It was Terry's abandoned smartphone, the very thing that was going to be his well, lead to his capture. Well, needless to say, the Lee County Sheriff's Office discovered uh, pry marks on the damaged garage door frame and swiftly uh, tracked down uh, Mr. Terry Jeffcoat to a trailer nearby. Something the jig was up, Mr. Terry surrendered himself to deputies with a mutter admission that he had messed up. Now he's been charged with property damage, larceny, burglary, and he now enjoys a less than glamorous uh, home at the county jail. Moral of the story, don't forget your phone at the scene of the crime. Now, I've mentioned this before, ladies and gentlemen. It's always the defendant's own words that get them, or maybe their DNA or their property, okay? Had a guy once, he was an accused flasher to small children. And one day, he was at the park because he's hanging out. Why? Because that's where the children are, right, ladies and gentlemen? And um, he was, did his little flashing thing, and as he was pulling up his trousers, he left one thing behind. That's right, his wallet. Ooh. Needless to say, the string of flashing of young minors quickly ceased when he was arrested. And uh, they knew who they were looking for. Just a moral to the story. Don't take your phone. Make sure you have your wallet. I think that's what they say before you leave, right? You got your, your wallet, your testicles, your spectacles before you leave. It's the way it is, ladies and gentlemen, but some people never do it. Thanks for watching. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you next time on Crime Talk.